Hey guys, welcome to the Georgia Field Hunting Podcast, episode 33. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, here with co-host Robert Nelson. And today, uh, Robert and I are going to be talking about kind of preparing for a successful public land hunt. And really, this episode kind of came about just due to a, a lot of questions that I'm seeing on social media about hunting Georgia public lands. Um, a lot of a lot of folks seem to have an interest this year. Or, well, they have it every year, but you know more so this year with the whole coronavirus thing going on. And so there's a, just a lot of people asking questions about you know how they can how they can go on one of these hunts and be successful at it. And we thought this would be a great opportunity to get in there and knock that out. Uh, particularly since we're having been having a little trouble uh, getting the, our next guest lined <laughs> up. Got a got a couple good guests coming up so don't worry it's not going to be just robert and i uh chit-chatting for the you know every episode <laughs> to come you don't have to worry about that we do have uh some guests in the works uh one actually lined up for later this week we're going to record and i'm pretty excited about that one uh, the guy's been knocking down some really nice public land yeah. bucks the last few years on on several different wmas and so i can't wait to get him on there and uh, pick his brain and then we also, uh, another one in the works, we've just been having a little problem getting it scheduled, but uh, we'll be talking to a guy about some some deer research on culling, culling deer. You know, it's a pretty hot topic, and uh, I think that's one you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, it's going to be really interesting, but those are those are kind of in the future, but uh, we did want to, like I said, kind of knock out this this topic of preparing for a successful public land hunt. So we thought this would be as good a time as any to do that. A lot of guys are are going out on these hunts. They've already started. And, um, you know, people are already knocking down some some good bucks on some of these hunts. And, uh, yeah, so we thought we'd get on here and, and share what we know anyway. And, uh, you know, what we've learned from our own experience as well as, you know, what we've learned from some of our hosts or our uh, guests on the podcast as well. So, um, we we're now we're not going to dive too deep into the kind of the mechanics of of Georgia's public land hunts as far as, you know, the differences between a quota hunt and a non quota hunt and a check in versus a sign in, because all that is covered in episode four. So if, if you're brand new to public land hunting and you just want to learn the very basics as far as how the hunts work go back and listen to episode four. Uh, we, we, I covered all that in detail, uh, but this one's going to be more about just kind of the preparation for the hunt and things to do at the hunt, you know, to increase your odds of success. Um, and with that, so I guess really starting out, just uh, I wanted to touch on kind of, you know, finding a hunt, uh, the process, because a lot of, a lot of folks just don't know, you know, I see the question all the time on social media you know, is there any place I can go gun hunt for a deer, you know, uh, in my area a lot of times or just, you know, anywhere across the state. But I always see people looking for these hunts. And unfortunately, there's not a good and this is something I need to put on the website, I need to build and put on on our website. But there's there's not really a good go to source uh, for all the hunts that you can go to kind of broke broke down on a calendar. Uh, but you really have to to dig into the back of the the hunting regulations to find these things, and so that that's really your starting point is to you know pick you up a, a copy of the hunting regs, flip to the map in the back, 
and uh, you can kind of use that map to locate some areas around you if you if you're wanting to stay you know fairly close to home. And then once you've well, you've picked out a handful of areas, uh, you can flip on past the map, and each area kind of has its own little section there with all the dates that are that where there there's hunts available on that particular tract of land. Um, so you know you can you can pick out a WMA. Uh, flip to that WMA in the back of the hunting regs, and it'll tell you exactly uh, when the hunts are, you know, whether it's an archery hunt, a firearms hunt, primitive weapons, uh, whether it's a quota, a, a non-quota, check-in, sign-in. Of course, the main thing you're looking for at this point is something that's not a quota hunt. Uh, you know, if quota hunt, it, it, that that ship has sailed. They, they've already drawn for the quota hunts. But <laughs> yeah, if you're not drawn for a quota hunt, you just as long as the hunt doesn't have the letter Q and a number beside it in, in front of it, uh, you know, that signifies it's a quota hunt. And of course, the number signifies how many people they draw. Uh, if it's not marked as a quota hunt, then it should be open to anybody. You know, it's going to be a check in or a sign in hunt. Um, and anybody can show up, sign in, and and hunt there um, according according to the rules for that area. So that's what you're on. That's what you're on the lookout for. And uh, yeah, it's 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 not that hard. It's just a matter of you know figuring out what areas you want to try to hit and uh, kind of studying each one. So it is a little bit of a process, but it, there there's gun hunts all across the state. Uh, that you can get involved in no reason to miss out on hunting because you don't have a private land spot. Uh, you can find your hunt. It may take you, you know, may not be right next door, uh, but you can find you one that, you know, you can drive to and, and make a weekend out of. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, shoot, just thinking right here off the top of my head, Brian, I mean, pretty much from the start of archery to the end of the season, I know of six WMAs I can hunt. At any given, not any given time, but at certain dates, I, I could hunt from the bow opener to the end of rifle season on about six WMAs within an hour of me and be able to hunt the whole season if I wanted to. And yeah. that's between bow, rifle, muzzleloader, you know, the whole, whole ordeal. More bow hunts coming in later in the year on some WMAs. Um, so, I mean, the opportunities are there to be able to hunt the whole season as long as you're willing to jump around and travel. Now, if you pick one WMA, unless you pick one that's open all season to rifle, which there are some out there, but if you're just looking to do that, that's fine. But if you're looking to get the full season's worth, you definitely need to go, like Brian said, to the reg book or go online to the e-regulation site. Then they have the handbook where there as well, and you can go there scroll through every WMA, look at the dates, and you can pick WMAs around you and pretty much be able to hunt the whole season um, without having to be in a lease or a club or own a bunch of property. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we are blessed here in the state of Georgia with a lot of, well, over a million acres of public land. And uh, no, you can't, like you said, you can't, you know, gun hunt all of it throughout the entire gun season it would just uh, there wouldn't be a deer left on some of these areas if that were the case but um you know like like robert was saying if you're willing to travel around you can get in quite a bit of firearm hunting and you know bow hunting opportunities are are all over um, plenty of those and really really underutilized on most spots i mean i know there's some wmas that get get hit pretty good during the archery season but man i rarely ever have encounters during the the bow hunts on most of these wmas um 
Some of the gun hunts, yeah. are, it's a little bit different story, but even on those, man, you put in the work, you can get away from the crowd, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today is just kind of how to how to get away from the crowd and, and improve your odds of success. So I know for myself, and I'm, I, I'm, I know it well, I know you're the same way as me, Robert. <laughs> uh, we pretty much both start any kind of planning process for a hunt with cyber scouting. Right. Um, and, and lots of it, man. We're, me and Robert are <laughs> yeah. always sending pins and stuff back and forth to each other, um, getting getting opinions and, and just showing spots that we found on different WMAs uh, that we want to check out. And, man, unfortunately, more spots. You know, I find more spots on those <laughs> maps than I have time to actually get out and hunt. And, of course, not every spot you find on an aerial, or a, you know, an aerial photo or on, on X uh, ends up being a spot a great spot you want to hunt, you know, once you get out there and put boots on the ground, but uh, it definitely gives you some starting points and helps eliminate, you know, spending a lot of time looking at areas that just aren't going to produce or that are going to be overcrowded. Yeah. I mean, I mean with that though, too, while, while we're on the subject of going out and looking and not every pin uh, panning out to what you think it might be, the good thing with technology today is, though, if you can afford it and there's cheaper options out there that work just as good. But you can always go to that spot, throw a trail camera up and just see what happens. Because just because the sign isn't there or you may look at it with an eye view and say, well, this ain't the spot. But then you throw a camera up and you may say, go back, check the camera and be like, OK, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, there's that. And this is this is just the instant uh, Brian, I actually sent you a pin to a spot that you hunted on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you didn't see a shooter buck, but from past information, I knew there was a lot of deer in there. But when you go in there, the rubs and stuff aren't there. I mean, it's not very thick. It's a little thick on top. But, you know, when you look at it from our perspective, you don't really think, okay, this is where I'm going to see a shooter buck, which you didn't right. in that instance. But based off past information, I know they're in there, and you did end up seeing two bucks. Yeah, I did. Um, out of that spot. But when you initially walk up to it, you you wouldn't think that. And the only reason I knew that is because I said, you know, what do I have to lose? I put a trail camera in there, and I hung it and left it all season. I checked it one time during the season and then once at the end and come to find out there was actually a lot of mature bucks using that area. So that's the good thing, too. Don't be scared when you're going out looking at these spots that you're putting on the map. If you got a trail camera, don't be scared to put it up and see what shows up. No, that's for sure. Especially when you can go to Walmart and pick them up for 30 bucks a piece. You know, right. I know a lot of people are get a little leery about putting cameras out on public land. Um, knock on wood, I have not lost one on public land. Uh, I do, of course, you know, again, I'm not hanging these cameras for the most part in, in, you know, close to access or or on a food plot that everybody's going to walk into and check out or, th you know, those kind of spots. I'm, I'm definitely typically off the beaten path and, and I do carry a climbing stick with me and, and put those suckers up, you know, 10 or 12 feet off the ground. So, uh, you know. No, it's not theft proof, but I'm going to make them work for it if they're going to steal it. So um, there's definitely measures you can take to to help you out, keep you from getting them stolen. And uh, like I said, knock on wood, I haven't lost one. Have you lost lost one on public 
other than no, one that other than one that got burned up by a prescribed fire. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've had one burn up by a prescribed fire, and I had another situation. It kind of made me mad, but in the same sense, I was kind of relieved. I had a guy walk by a camera. He saw it. He turned around. They pulled the card. They checked all the pictures and they deleted them all off. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he didn't steal the camera, which I was thankful for. But then in the same sense, I was kind of mad that I didn't get to see what was on the card because I had it out for about two months. And then he checked it two days before I got to it. Hmm. So, you know, it's a it's a kind of catch 22 situation. He didn't he didn't steal it, but also they deleted all the pictures off of it. So I just I just pulled it down and wiped that area as a wash. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because obviously he knew what was in there. And if there was anything good on there. He's probably hunting that area now. So, um, but as up to that point, I'd never had anybody mess with one and I've never had one stolen and I don't hang all of mine high. That was the problem with that one. I had it at chest level. Um, yeah. And I've had, I've had some others at chest level that I haven't hung high and guys have walked right by them. They don't see them, but the best thing to do is you mentioned, uh, hang them high, get them eight, nine, 10 feet off the ground, pointed down, 99% of the time, nobody's going to see them. Uh, I sent you pictures from this summer, guys walking around underneath cameras, yeah, never yeah. looking up at them. So, but no, I've never had one stolen. Yeah. I think, like I said, I know what happens. It happens on private land too, though. So it's just one yep. of those, one of those risks you take. And like I said, I sleep a little easier knowing that for the most part, I have some trees that I'll put out there. And I, I kind of save those for the really out of the way spots places I really right. don't think anybody's going to bump into them. And then, you know, if I feel like there's any risk at all, then I'll throw the old cheap Tasco up on the, up on the tree and not lose too much sleep over it. That's right. Hey, them Tascos for $30. Yeah. You can't, not, not get, can't beat them. Not getting too, too, too far off the trail here, but $30, <laughs> man, they do the job. They're pretty dang reliable. I mean, I, I don't think I've had any issues with any of them, you know, knock on wood. And they take good enough pictures that you, heck, I've got $100 cameras that don't take good as pictures as that $30 camera does. So, yeah, I haven't had, I've got four of them and I had one that was dead when I bought it. And of course I didn't have any, I took it right back to Walmart and they gave me a new one and I haven't had any problems since. And for little, little pro tip here for two bucks, Walmart will sell you a two year <laughs> protection plan too so you know you're gonna if you can get two years out of a 30 dollar camera you're you're doing all right anyway so so yeah don't don't be afraid to to go with those cheap tascos if you want something just to throw out on public land and not lose any sleep over yeah that's right but yeah back to uh back to cyber scouting (laughs) um the the first thing and, and I'll let you you know, I'll talk a little bit about kind of what I'm looking for when I when I first approach a new area and then and, and let you dive into, you know, if you do anything different. Um, but but the first thing I'm looking at is the accesses. Um, you know, where where are people gonna be accessing this WMA and how can I get away from these people? I mean, that's that's what I'm what I'm trying to figure out. So I'm looking for places that either require a long walk. Uh, maybe places that require boat access if you have access to a boat or kayak something like that um but also you know it's not always the the place that's way off the beaten path sometimes it can be an overlooked spot and those are a little harder to 
you know, maybe to pick out uh, while you're cyber scouting. Um, but but they can be found, uh, particularly if if you can find long stretches of um, maybe a, a road, like a county road or a, even a highway where there's or well, highway might be a little different, but a, a, like an, a county road or something where there's no designated parking areas. Um, sometimes you can, you can kind of get away from the crowd there. I know of one specific place that I have in mind on, on one of the WMAs I hunt. Uh, where there's just no pull-offs for a pretty good stretch of the road. And the way the road's ditched on both sides, it's not easy to just pull off to the side of the road and and get, and get off in there. Um, so I rarely see anybody kind of in that general area hunting. And I haven't taken advantage of it yet. I've seen a lot of deer crossing there. And I keep saying I'm going to go in there and hunt, you know, just right <laughs> off the road. I did scout it um, this past summer, and there was, a, there was a lot of sign in there. Not, I didn't find a whole lot of buck sign, but just as far as deer sign, there was a lot of deer sign in there. I definitely think it's a place you could get not far off the road and kill you a deer if you just wanted to put some meat in the freezer. But, but yeah, I'm just, I'm wanting to get away from the crowd because that's where the deer are going to be. It's particularly a mature buck is going to, you know, be where, where the hunters aren't. So that's the spots I'm looking for. And, and primarily I'm looking for any kind of thick cover. Uh, I like to see those cutovers or, you know, a young pine stand uh, or maybe an old field, you know, CRP type situation, any place like that where I think the deer would bed and, and wouldn't get disturbed too much. Um, I'm going to pay a lot of attention to those when I put boots on the ground. Um, you know, I'm looking for that edge, places where two or more habitat types kind of come together. You know, it might be where that, that cutover meets uh, hardwoods or the cutover meets uh, mature pines or you know, just any mix of, of different habitat types because, you know, deer are, are creatures of edge. They like to travel those edges, uh, hang out on those edges. And so that that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for when I'm looking at these aerial photos. And then, you know, depending on where you're at, uh, I know where you're at, you don't have a whole lot of terrain to go by. Um, <laughs> I got a little more up here in West Central Georgia. It's, it's some WMAs more than others right here by me. Um so, you know, some of them I pay a lot more attention to terrain than others. But, you know, things like saddles, when I'm looking at a topographic map, I'm, I'm looking for those saddles or any kind of pinch point where it might funnel deer movement. And that just, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar, if you haven't used topographic maps much, that's just something that really you, you got to kind of learn um, comparing what you're seeing on the map to when you're out there in the field. But, um, you know, anything that would that might pinch deer movement and it could be like a, a, a bend in a river where the deer have to kind of go around that bend uh, to get from one ridge to another. Of course, like I said, saddles that, that low spot between ridges where deer will often cross, you know, they're kind of like us, you know, they're going to, they're lazy. They want to take the path of the least resistance. So you're kind of looking for anything like that, um, that might concentrate deer movement and give you a, an ambush spot. Um, and really, I guess, uh, w w what are you looking for, Robert? Did I, did I miss anything or anything different on your end that you're looking for on these, uh, when you're doing your map scouting? No, I mean, uh, same, same general rule of thumb. The first thing I do, I pull up the map of the property and the first thing I'm looking for is what's the furthest away I can get from access. Yep. And 
that's why I sent you the Alabama pins recently for the WMA that we're going to be hunting in January. And that was the first thing I looked for. That place has access out the wazoo. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems like everywhere on that place has a road. So I'm looking for really thick because thickness is a big deterrent to hunters. Um, if it's chest high, full of briars, grass, uh, American beauty berry, the whole nine, more than likely guys aren't going in there. That's right. And it, even if it's close to the road, I mean, the, the pictures I've been sending you recently, all within 200 yards of an access. Yeah. Yeah. And you've and been that, getting some good bucks on camera. I mean, some absolute just studs. And the, the reason is because it's, it's like that it's chest high, full of briars. I mean, if you can look at my legs right now <laughs> from just my scouting yesterday before I hunted, it, I mean, it looks like I've been attacked by a bear, but <laughs> That's why those bucks are in there. Even though it's close to the road, it's super thick and guys aren't going in there. So I'm looking for far away from the from the access, but also really thick. Thick is the key. If you can find thick close to the road, the guys are going to hunt the edges, but they're not diving into the middle of it. Yeah. And so I'm looking I'm looking for that as well. Like you mentioned, it's hard to pick that on a pick that out on a map. But most of the time, if you can pick out on a map an old grown up field or an old uh, pine stand that's been thinned. That's a key right there that those areas are thick. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. Like you said, down here, not a lot of terrain, uh, but at the house, I'm looking for saddles, funnels, pinch points. I'm looking for pinch points down here because they're still here. Um, even though it's flat, you got pinch points between water edges, um, fields, I mean, yeah. there, there's a there's a lot of pinch points and funnels that are still there, but you got to be able to pick them out. And it's a couple of, the, you know, the the fields between the pines, and there may be a little strip of hardwoods. That's a little funnel, even mm -hmm. though it doesn't seem like it. You know, that's still a funnel uh, between a cutover and a river. There might be a little strip right there where it pinches down. You know, that's going to be a funnel, a pinch point um, between two types of cover. You know, there might be pines and there might be a cutover or there might be pines and there might be oaks and then there might be a little strip of cutover between it. Same thing there. That's a little funnel. It's a little pinch point. That's where two edges come together and kind of creates a spot. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. Kind of the same stuff you're touching on, but thickness, thick, thick, thick. And am I seeing a lot of deer? No, we'll cover that in the outro more. Uh, what's been going on lately? But when you find that stuff, more than likely that's – you're not going to see a lot of deer. But when you do see a deer, it's more than likely going to be the one you want to see if if you're trophy hunting. If you're just out to shoot meat, shoot a spike, shoot a three-pointer, shoot a doe, then you know you may want to look somewhere else. But if you're strictly hunting big bucks, then that's what you should focus on, and that's what I'm focusing on because that's what I'm interested in. So – yeah. And that, yeah, that was a good point about, you know, some of the stuff, the, the cutovers and the young pines, that kind of stuff, you can pick out pretty easy on a topo or on an aerial photo. But the one you hit on, um, which is actually exactly the type situation where I killed my buck on opening day is those thin pines with a heavy understory. You know, it was big, mature yep. pines, but they were thin enough that you got a good understory. And that's not really easy to pick out on an aerial photo. 
Um, it it kind of looks a lot like everything else, you know, but uh, just green. But yeah, if you can find yeah. that spot when you get out there, boots on the ground, um, definitely don't overlook those those thin pines. If if you got a it, well anywhere, you got a good understory. It could be thin hardwoods for that matter. But if you got a good thick understory where the deer feel safe, then uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, something something else I want to touch on too, Brian is don't be scared to use a couple different maps. Um, I'm not going to name any off, but I, I use a couple different ones. And the reason being is some of them have the off-leaf imagery, and you can use that to your advantage to be able to say, okay, this is a strand of oaks here, and this is a strand of pines here, because in the dead of winter, those pines are still going to be green, whereas those oaks are going to be like a grayish right. color. Yeah. So you'll be able to see on the map with the off-leaf imagery which is which, or whether it's an old grown-up field. You know, if it's just super thick, nasty, it's just going to be a big green blob. And then you might have oaks around the edge and then pines on one side, and you'll be able to differentiate those different types of cover. So don't be scared to use different mapping apps when you're cyber scouting to be able to use those different layers to be able to pick those things out. Yep, and I'm glad you brought that up too. Another thing when you're talking about looking for those accesses, uh, the DNR has a its own mapping app. If you go to you know the DNR website, to the the w the pages with all the wmas on it they have an interactive map and it's not it's not a replacement for on x by any means um it's it's not you know super user friendly but the one thing that i use it for is it has the roads on there the wma roads that are open to vehicle traffic which on x may or may not have you know for your area might not show which roads are open for for driving and which ones are you know gated but that DNR map does. And so I'll, a, lot, a lot of times I'll kind of look at those side by side, have my Onyx up and then have the, the DNR map up so I can see those roads and, and where the parking areas are and where the gates are and everything like that, uh, which roads you can drive on, which ones are foot traffic only. And that'll really help you be able to, you know, see how you can, you can get away from the, the crowd. Yeah. But, but with that, don't, don't just, base only on the the drivable roads because there's a lot of roads that i i'm i'm not sure you you can probably clarify because i I don't really use the dnr map because i'm not so interested in the the driving points but the walker access as well um plays a huge part as well as being able to get away from people if you may you may be able to see the road that okay i can drive from this point to this point but can you see well there's three trails cut off here that go two miles deep and you may be clear i don't know if the dnr app the dnr map shows that or not but it does um, yeah it shows the the walker access as well yeah, the ones that they maintain, you know, like the at least on the WMAs around here, you know, there's there's roads that that go behind the gate that you can't drive on, but there's still the DNR drives on them, of course, to be able to access it. Um, but yeah, it does show those as dotted lines on the DNR map, and then you know, solid lines for the ones you can actually drive on. So it, it'll just help you fig, kind of figure out, you know, if you're looking at an area and you see all these roads on the WMA you can go to that DNR map and say, okay, well, this one's not open to driving. So nobody's going to be driving back here to me. Still don't mean you, you don't want to get away from that road because I can tell you people, 
People will walk longer distances, I think, now than in the past. They're willing to walk yep. further, but they still like to stick to those trails. You know, they, they don't like to get too far off the beaten path. I don't know if it's just, you know, a little fear of getting lost or having to walk out in the dark without the benefit of that access trail. But the, the hunters definitely have a strong affinity to those those trails. So, you know, just because you walk two miles in, if you don't get off that access trail, you may still have some company back in there. That's right. I've definitely so learned I, that. I, I just wanted to touch on that because it's not only the drivable roads, it's also the walking paths as well. I mean, right. I know I know. I, I walk three miles down a path that's, you know, accessible, that's clean, but then I also may dip off and go another mile, you know, down in the hardwoods. Right. And that's so, that's where you get away from the crowd right there when you break off of those right. access trails and and just cut cross country. Right, right. So three th- three miles may be a little extravagant because I haven't <laughs> I haven't really seen a WMA here yet that you can get three or four miles no, away from I, our not road. where I'm at. Maybe but, in the North Georgia mountains, <laughs> so you could probably do that. But yeah, but I'm just throwing the gist out there that people will walk a long way, as Brian said, down a well manicured path. Right. Yeah. And then it's it's getting away from that as well. That's right. So yeah, be make sure you're. You're uh, looking at those out of the way spots, thick areas, and be sure to, before you head out to do your boots on the ground scouting, I would have several places picked out that look good to you on the map. Don't just, don't just pick one or two spots and go out there to look at them. Cause for one, they might not end up looking good once you get out there or they might end up looking great. But if you only have one or two spots and you show up on opening day and somebody's already in there, then you know, you're in trouble. So you you're, yep. you can never have too many. That's for sure. Have too many spots picked out. Well, that's just like, uh, for instance, perfect, perfect situation while we're talking about it. I had a spot picked out for Saturday morning. I went to the WMA and got there and there was a truck parked just up from the access. He wasn't right on the access trail of where I was. And there's actually the access trail I was looking at. One just passed it and one across the street. And there's a lot of land around there. But with that, he was parked right there in between all three of those accesses. And as I sat there in my truck, I thought, okay, I can park here and I can walk in and just say, for instance, I walk down this trail and he's back there. (laughs) Well, I just waste, I just wasted 30 to 45 minutes and I potentially screwed him up. So, I, I just said, I'm not even going to bother with it. I mean, there was three different places he could have been, but I didn't bother with it. I just kept going to the next spot. I had another spot in mind, kept driving, got out. Nobody was there, went on about my business. And that's just, in my heart, that's just the right thing to do. He beat me there. He could have been anywhere on either side of the road, but why chance it by me going in there, potentially messing him up, then have him come back out. And then when I can just say, okay, I can go somewhere else. So that's a perfect scenario for having multiple spots picked out where you can, okay, this spot didn't work out. Well, I got plan B, I got plan C, I got plan that's B. That's right. And I can go on to the next area. Yep. Yeah, that that won't be a, a big tragedy to show up and somebody be in your spot if you have multiple spots and multiple good spots at that, you know, not just – not just uh, any any spot, but you know, if you have several spots that you feel really good about, it's not a big deal if you get to the first one and somebody's there. You know, 
You have right. to be, you had to be prepared for that. But, uh, and then I guess, you know, once you've done your cyber scouting, I'd say, and I know some of you guys are doing these hunts and it might be halfway across the state, you know, and you're, you're getting out there having to travel several hours or a few hours to, to set up and hunt these spots. But if there's any way possible, man, get out there ahead of time and put boots on the ground, do some scouting if you can. Um, it is tough, even, you know, even with all the tools and resources out there, it's tough to just look at maps and aerial photos and pick out a spot and go kill a nice buck out there, you know, without, without getting boots on the ground and getting some scouting in especially if you're just doing a two or three day hunt. Now, if you're going somewhere for a week, you know, you might be able to get away with that, um, get in there and, and be able to scout a couple days, you know, as you're hunting and, and get on them but and not to say it can't be done in a two or three day hunt but there's a whole lot more luck involved in that situation uh, than if you can get in there and get boots on the ground and look at these spots ahead of time hopefully and I, by ahead of time i mean not just the day before the hunt but hopefully <laughs> right. you know a week or more before the hunt a whole lot of guys running around that day before the hunt um, checking all these spots out and uh, you know educating the deer real quick that they know exactly what's going on when they hear all that gravel popping and uh, people yep. walking all over the area the day before. Uh, I guarantee you that's when they uh, they start heading to the cover. Yep. Yeah, I mean, don't be scared, too, while we're talking about, you know, just general public. In general, don't be scared to scout before the hunt, like on the day of the hunt. Say you've hunted this area for one or two days. You're not having any luck. Okay, day three. Go out and scout. Scout, hunt in the morning, go to a spot, get down. Even if you get down, you eat lunch. You got a couple hours there before you're going to get back in the stand. Walk. Walk, walk, walk. Because it may take another 100 yards. It may take another 200. It may take a mile. It may take going somewhere else. And then you're walking through the woods. You're walking through the thickets. You find the sign. You set up. And boom, all of a sudden you're on the deer uh, if you're after a doe, a doe walks by or a nice buck walks by, you're able to harvest that deer. I mean, I've had three situations, as we've talked about, if you're listening to this and you've listened to the past podcast where I've scouted before I've hunted, checked cameras, backtracked, scouted, and I've had really good run-ins. Have I, I haven't been fortunate enough to close the deal yet, but if I would have just set up, I would have probably never had those encounters. But I scouted, I got out, I walked, I walked, I walked, I walked. I mean, sometimes I'd start at 10 in the morning and finish at four and then finally have a spot where I was like, okay, this is where I need to set up, set up, boom, nice buck comes in. It didn't play out, but I would have never had that opportunity. What if I just said, okay, I'm just going to go here. You know, now I may have, you know, I may, I may, I may just blindly said, okay, I'm going to go here and. A, a booner walked by and I said, <laughs> you know, but I, but really though, that the instances that I'm talking about, I knew the bucks were there. I probably would have never had those encounters had I not got out and walked and scouted before I actually climbed a tree. Yeah. And, and I need to do more of that. I'm trying to do more of that here recently. In fact, that's, a, that's one of the reasons why I think I had a, a dry spell there after I shot my buck on opening day where I wasn't seeing much. And, uh, 
you know, I had to I had to get out there and, and scout. Even though I've did all this off season scouting and have all these spots picked out, you know, pins and I got the spots, you know, I hunted last year and but still you always, always, always gotta be on the lookout for that most recent sign. Cause, you know, deer don't act the same way year after year. I mean, they might there might be an area that they favor year after year, but there's so many variables as far as food sources change. You know, one one year the white oaks drop heavy, the next year they may not drop at all, and maybe the red right. oaks are dropping heavy, and every little thing, everything like that has an impact on deer movement. You know, maybe the farmer, you know, on the in the next property over, one year he has beans, and the next year he has corn, or so. You know, any you just never know. There's things that that constantly change deer patterns, and. Uh, and even within the season, not just from season to season, but even within the season, those food sources shift and you got to constantly be out there looking for the most recent sign. So, you know, don't just just because you killed a buck in a spot on that place last year, don't just assume you're going to be able to go in there, set up and, and kill another one. No problem. You know, you, you might. But then, you know, right. you better get out there and, and do some scouting and find the most recent sign before you just go sitting in a stand for two or three days. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's certain areas you can do that. You know, if it's just a thicket in the middle of a big hardwood section, then most likely, yeah, there's going to be deer in there year after year because it's the only place to bed. But when you get into a lot of the stuff like you're hunting, I'm hunting, it's it's thick everywhere you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they can bed anywhere. Now, there's certain situations with especially with early food sources um persimmons if you can find a lot of persimmons you know not every tree is going to make but there's probably going to be trees in there that's going to make year after year which means there's going to be a deer there year after year especially in the early season um then as you said the white oats they're not all going to make every year so you got to get out and search for those and that's what i'm doing right now seems like we're having a bumper crop this year i'm finding Whew. them yeah we are <laughs> pretty much every tree i'm going to but then in certain situations yesterday afternoon for instance i hunted yesterday afternoon i went to a tree i thought for sure okay i haven't hunted this area yet i know some good bucks are in the area let me go to this certain little group of oaks i'm for sure there's oaks dropping here can set up here i haven't hunted here should be able to get on a deer well i walked all the way in there not a single oak on the ground not an acre to be found <laughs> and i was standing there like dag of it so i backed back out went somewhere else didn't end up seeing anything but you know that's how it goes but i would have never known that if i would have went in in the morning time and set up and then got down i would have never known you know, yeah. until I got down that that tree was not dropping and that means the deer are not there. And so the, the boots on the ground is so important. Any chance you get, whether it's during in between hunts or whether you take a morning off, you get out there, see where the people are parked, go where someone's where s some area where somebody's not parked and say, OK, I'm going to walk this area, walk it, set up, you know, later in the day. That's a huge key, especially this time with the change in food. The ruts come and start looking for those funnels, looking for the rubs, looking for the scrapes. I mean, I know where you're hunting. The rut is pretty much here. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we're we're pretty much in the mix of it now. We're we're a couple of days out from it getting really really good. Um, where I'm at, we're still a month month and a half out. Alabama's still a month month and a half out. Two months, some <laughs> areas, you know. So they're still going to be on the feed, the hottest feed sign. But for the rut areas, sign travel corridors, pinch points. But you can't find that unless you get out and walk. That's right. And one thing I will say with that though is just be mindful. During the hunt, if you're going to get out there and walk, you know, be mindful of where people are at, you know, obviously. Right. Um, like you said, if if it's an area where there's, you know, nobody parked at the access and that access leads to, you know, a big area back in there, you're probably safe to get in there and walk around and not have to worry about anything. But obviously, you know, if you pull up and there's three other trucks there, you don't go walking or walking around there scouting right, uh, right. during during prime time. But but, yeah, you got to. You got to get out there and find that most recent sign. Like we said, and another, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say another thing with that. When you're getting out and walking, if you know nobody's there and you're free to go walk, use the wind to your advantage because it doesn't do you no good. If you're walking up a ridge and you got covered to the West, but the wind's blowing out the East to the West, we, every deer in that thicket's going to know you're there. That's right. Before you before you even get a chance to hunt it. So, yeah, you may find the sign, but every deer in that thicket already knows you're there. Yep. So use the wind to your advantage. And I just wanted to touch on that because, yeah, we can say go walk. And, yeah, you can go out through the woods and walk all you want. But if every deer is smelling you before you get there, it's doing you no good. That's right. So get out there. Look for the fresh sign. Uh, like we said, find multiple spots you know don't put all your eggs in one basket because as sure as you do somebody else is going to beat you to it and you're going to yep. be left high and dry so um, find you multiple spots and probably as simple as this is probably my biggest tip for hunting these hunts these these you know three-day check-in hunts or whatever is man just be the first one there get there early yep um, there's no such thing as too early no, not really. And and no, that doesn't guarantee uh, somebody's not going to walk in on you. Um, I had it happen, what, weekend before <laughs> last, last during the last, – Last weekend. Yeah, during the check-in hunt. Um, but, you know, what a big deal. He he was – I was I had already been in there for a while because I did. I got there early. Um, but he it was still well before daylight when he walked in and he was respectful once he realized I was there and, and left. So it wasn't wasn't any big deal. Uh it happens, but you know, be the first one there. And I'm not even in that case, I'm not even sure he came from the same access that I did. So he may not even known somebody, you know, somebody else was back in there. So like I said, I wasn't upset about it. It was a little frustrating because he walked all over that ridge looking for him a place to hunt <laughs> before he finally headed back out of there. Um, still well before daylight, but you know, definitely uh, probably didn't help my odds any. Right. But uh, but that's part of it, you know. But at least you know, I hear all these horror stories. You see the posts on social media and stuff about guys setting up, you know, in the tree next to another guy, you know. And yeah, I'm exaggerating a little, but you you hear all those stories about people setting up right on top of you and stuff. And I'm sure that does happen, but. You know, I've been hunting publicly in a long time, and I I've never had anybody do that to me. Um, you know, that knew I was there to to set up close to me. Uh, I've always been respectful when people see me. 
you know, turn and go somewhere else or they let me know that they're going by me, you know, on past a different point or whatever. Um, and I've unfortunately, you know, there's been a time or two I've walked in on somebody else and had to do the same thing, you know, turn around and head back out. But, um, you know, just never, never had anybody, you know, act stupid on me. And, and hopefully I don't knock on wood. Uh, as sure <laughs> as I say that this will be the year, but, um, don't, if you're, if you're not familiar with public land, you haven't hunted public land much, don't get too caught up in some of the stuff you read on social media about it. There ain't bullets flying by all the time and people ain't setting up 10 feet away from you and all that kind of nonsense. Like I said, I'm not saying that can't happen, but it's not near as bad as it's made out to be by, by some folks. And uh, some of that, I think is just guys that don't want anybody else hunting public land. <laughs> you know, they, right. they just trying to scare people off. Uh, others, you know, may have hunted it, had a bad experience, and then, you know, they want to tell everybody and their brother about it. But uh, Right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a couple couple run-ins, one bad one. You know, not a bad situation, but right at prime time, here comes some guys stomping through the thicket, <laughs> you know, right an hour before dark and, you know, pretty much blew up my hunt. And then, you know, I've had other situations. Guys have pulled up. I've been getting ready to go in the woods. They ask me, hey, where are you going? I tell them, and they're like, okay, we'll go somewhere else or – the situation that I explained earlier, I pulled up, the guy was there, you know, there's 600 acres right there. He could have been hunting, but I just said, you know what? It's not even worth potentially messing him up and potentially having to waste all this time. Just go somewhere else. Yeah, That's why you yeah. have a plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, you know, just go somewhere else. It's not worth even risking messing somebody else up. Now, like Brian said, the guy walked in on him. He could have came from a different access. But if you know there's only one access in and out and the guy's parked there, even if there's 200 acres behind him, but you don't know where he's at. You don't know if he's 100 yards off the road or if he's all the way back there in the back. So it's better just to go somewhere else so you don't have those run-ins. You have a spot to yourself and you can get away from the people. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be respectful. Think of it, you know, the, the golden rule, man, treat, treat others as you'd want to be treated. Uh, Cause it, yeah, I see some of these, you know, again, on social media, you see these people, well, it's public land. I, you know, I got just much right to be there as they do. Well, that's true. It is public land, but you know, if, <laughs> if we'd all treat each other, right, we wouldn't have near the problems. Uh, that that right. you read about on public land. If everybody just be a little more respectful for each other, don't get, I don't care how great the sign is or what kind of buck pictures you got in there. It's never your spot, you know, right. It, it's public land. And if somebody else is in there bef before you, then yeah, it sucks, but you just got to respect that and, you know, find you another spot. Right. But, yeah. And another, another thing, don't try to claim a spot. Don't flag the gate. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get That's, me started. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up because it happens. We see it all the time. Guys put flagging tape out on the gate. Oh, 300 is going to be in here from 1023 to 1030. Well, I tell you, if I pull up to the gate, and that's an area I'm going to and you're not there, I'm going in. I guarantee it. Yeah. So don't don't flag the gate thinking you have that spot earned because what happens is that guy beats you there and then you go in. Just because you had it flagged, it's going to cause problems. Um, so don't don't do that. Don't don't flag the gates. You know, don't if if you got a spot, get there early. That's the best way to claim your spot. 
get there before everybody else. And yep. that's a, that's all I'm going to say about it. Just just don't flag the gates. Don't don't do that. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, like I said, I, I don't want to get off <laughs> no, I, on too much of a, a tangent I, I, there because, you know, it, I done, it drives me crazy. I don't take the hot spot. Huh? Yeah. But 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 the reason I bring it up because it, it happens. Oh, we yeah. see it all, every hunt. We see it all the time. Yeah. Every hunt guys try to put flagging tape out and try to claim spots just by flagging the gate. Well, if you're not there first, you don't get that spot. That's just how it is. Public land is first come first serve. And if the guy comes in, if you pull up and he's got it flagged and you go in first and he walks in on you, well, then that's a different situation that you've got to deal with and deal, deal with it respectfully, you know, but don't, if I flag, which I'm not, but if I, if I was to flag a spot and a guy was there before me, it'd be the same situation. Okay. I'll put flagging tape there. To let him know, hey, some guys are hunting this, but I'm still going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not going to be there. I've, I, yeah, I've never done that in the past. I'm not going to do it in the future, but it's the same situation. Even if I did, I flagged it. He beat me there. Okay, I'm going somewhere else. You know, it's just being respectful. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it always puts me in a dilemma when they put the flagging out because then I'm the one left thinking, or am I, you know, am I being a jerk by going in because this guy flagged it? But the thing is, nope. I know I, I, it's not. And, and like I said, flagging doesn't hold your spot. But you know, it, it always makes me think. You know, I don't. The last thing I want is any kind of confrontation in the woods with somebody. Um, but but yeah, I, I have hunted those spots because anybody, I could go around and flag every gate on the WMA. You know, say, right. well, I'm going to be in here. You know, just to try to keep people out. Um, you don't know, especially second or third day of the hunt, that flagging's there. Well, you don't know. That guy may have shot a deer and gone home because I guarantee you they ain't taking their flagging down. 90% of them uh, over at the WMA that I hunt that, you know, had just had a check-in hunt. All that flagging that was there during the hunt is still there right now, uh, except the ones yep. I've walked past and tore down. But, um, yeah. they, they and ju- just, for, just, just for scenario, Brian, how many do you think you've walked past and pulled down since that hunt? Not not a whole lot because I, I mean honestly, I could have tore down a whole lot, but it wasn't until I came out just one of the last times I hunted it that I just some of the ones that was you know flagging it right on a mowed road was I don't understand that how you gonna get lost on a mowed road but but uh, I don't know I pulled down a, a pocket full of it uh, I now I didn't pull any down during the hunt I'm I'm not gonna do that to anybody even though it ticks me off you know I'm, I'm not gonna pull somebody's flagging down while the hunt's going on uh, but certainly after the hunt when i know they've just left it there um i'm gonna tear down everyone i see but yeah it's uh it can be frustrating i just <laughs> i had one hunt um i used to take my my daughter well i've taken my son and my daughter both on the uh the fort perry hunt chattahoochee fall line fort perry track they had a a youth hunt and uh, I'll talk about it because both my kids have grown out of it now. I can't take them to the youth hunt anymore, but <laughs> it, it's it's a really cool setup because there's 30-something, 30 32, I think, really nice shooting houses on this WMA. Now, they don't use all 32 of them because some of them are on uh, roads now, you know, places you can drive, some of the roads you can drive on and stuff because uh, these were shooting houses that were on there before the state got it. But really cool setup for the kids. But 
that was the world's worst place about flagging because everybody wanted to claim one of those shooting houses before the, the hunt started. And so, you know, one of the hunts we were out there on, me and my daughter, we were driving around and the first couple places we had in mind, you know, there's flagging right there at the parking area where you knew somebody was in the shooting house. Uh, even though we were the first ones, you know, up and out there, nobody there. We finally, you know, again, I had several picked out because I knew this kind of stuff was going to happen. We get to uh, a third one, no flagging, and it was one that I knew was pretty good. So I was like, well, great. We get all our stuff together, walk out there, got to the shooting house. Somebody had put flagging on the doorknob of the shooting house. That's how they'd flag that mm-hmm. they were going to be in there. Well, sorry, at that point, I was not turning around and going back to the, the vehicle. Yep. I mean, that was just crazy that they thought flagging the, the doorknob of the shooting house was going to save that spot for them. But, and then, you know, they never even showed up, or at least maybe they seen our truck and kept driving, but, you know, we never did see anybody else that morning. Uh, I can't remember if she killed a deer there at that spot or not, but uh, they they always, both my kids always had really good luck out there. A um, lot of deer, never killed a good buck or anything out there, but it, it's a jam up spot for a youth hunt. But anyway, just another example of the, the flagging stuff. It just really bothers me. And this is the only state I've really seen it in. You know, I grew up in Kentucky um, just didn't, I don't know if it was illegal or not, but it just wasn't a thing on the WMAs there that I hunted in Kentucky and, you know, a few places I've been out of state. I just hadn't noticed it like I do here. I don't know if it's a Georgia thing or a Southern thing or what, but uh, whew, it's uh, frustrating, <laughs> but yeah, enough of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get off, we'll get off our soapbox on the, the flagging, but yeah, just, I wouldn't go in there and hang a stand before the hunt. And I definitely, nope. you know, wouldn't put flagging out because like I said, you can, you touch, Go ahead. can you touch on the, on the stand thing and what, what the actual regulations are? Because I've ran across a few ladder stands this year and lock ons. And can you just touch on what the actual regulations there is and what the rules are? Now, if you only got one stand, definitely don't go hang it because if somebody's there and, you get there after them, well, then you're out of luck because yeah. that's the only stand you got. But can you touch on the actual regulations there, Brian? Yeah, yeah. And, and I should clarify that. I mean, there's nothing wrong. If you want to go hang a stand in there, that's fine. I guess my point with that is don't be upset if you get there and somebody's already in your in that spot. You know, just because you got your stand hung in there, if somebody's already in there, you know, don't be a jerk and go in there and set up right next to somebody else. You know, maybe they might not even a senior stand knew it was in there. Um, but so, yeah, that's, that's what I meant by don't hang a stand early. And as far as the rules, um, in Georgia on public land or on the WMAs, you can hang a stand the day before the hunt and it's supposed to be pulled out of there by noon, the day after the hunt ends. So if it's a WMA, like one of your archery only WMAs, that's open the whole season, you know, you can put it in there the day before opening day and you don't have to take it out till the day after season ends. And, and, you know, if it's a three-day hunt, same scenario. You, you can put in there the day before the hunt, and you have to have it in that fourth – or have to have it out that the day after that, that third day, the day after it ends. So that that's the rules. You know, you're not supposed to leave one out there all season – or not all season, but all year long. And, yeah, uh, yeah so, yep, don't uh, – like I said, just don't hang a stand, I guess, expecting – that to save your spot is what I was getting at. Yep. No, that's right. 
And like, like I said, especially if you only got one stand. Now, if you got multiple spots picked out and you hang a stand in there, somebody beats you there and you can go somewhere else. But if you only yeah. got one lock on or one climber, you hang it in there and somebody beats you there. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then so. even if you don't hunt the spot, you might you're going to be left with going in there, messing that guy up, getting your stand. So, so yeah, it's just it's just better off not to do that if you can avoid it. Um, what yeah, else? So what else it, we need to touch on? I think we pretty much touched. I get. I guess the the main basis of this whole conversation talking about you know preparing for a public land hunt or getting into the season and scouting more, etc., is always be prepared because yeah. you never know what's going to happen and you never know if somebody's going to beat you there or you never know if the hot sign might be a couple hundred yards away you know just always be prepared for that plan b to be able to move around go somewhere else you know etc just always 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 be prepared yeah yep don't don't get hung up on one spot like like you've talked about you find a really good spot and you get in there the first day and you don't see anything don't you know don't get stuck on a spot so much that you're going to sit there three days and and not see the deer you were hoping to see or, or just sitting there hoping that something comes by you know right get out there and, and move and find the sign i mean it's that's what it's all about find the sign get away from the crowds and man even these hunts with a lot of people that you hear people you know, talking about how bad it is, how many people are out there. I'm telling you, man, if you get off the beaten path, you can still get away from folks and, and not have any problems. Um, in fact, that that guy last last week was the first first uh, hunt out there that I've had where somebody walked up on me like that. And because I'm usually out of the way in some some bizarre place that uh you know thick area that that nobody else is gonna mess with hunting but right so yeah just uh like you said be prepared keep keep uh moving around keep scouting and um you know success will come don't get discouraged if the first time you hunt a hunt you don't kill a deer (laughs) because i can tell you I've, (laughs) i've had plenty of plenty of hunts where i didn't kill a deer but you know the good thing is every year you hunt it you gain that much more experience and that much more knowledge of the area. You'll learn where people tend to concentrate, where the hunters are, where they're not, um, yep. you know, where the deer are and where they're not. And it sometimes it just takes multiple years of, of fine tuning before you, you, it really clicks. But, you know, once you start finding those deer and find those areas, you know, there's a pretty good chance you're going to stay on them, you know, and you'll continue right. to have success. But, it's all a learning process and, and man, the main thing is just to have fun. Remember this is, this is deer hunting. Right. It, it, you know, it's, it's not a competition. It's, you don't have to go out there and kill the, the biggest buck and to become a social media hero, <laughs> you know, just get out there and have a good time and don't take it so seriously. And I know I'm preaching to myself on that cause I'm the world's <laughs> worst about getting caught up in, in, uh, you know, the whole challenge of it. And sometimes, you know, taking things a little too seriously. And that's when you, you know, let things upset you more than it should, you know, like the person walking in on you or whatever the case may be, you know, just talk to these guys out there that you run into. So if you pull up to a spot and you're playing the hunt and somebody else is there, get out and talk to them a little bit, you know, um, 
they might not even be hunting where you were going to hunt or, yeah. or they may be, but you know, you, you never know when you might, uh, might make you a friend out there, a new hunting partner. So, yeah, I guess that's a good point that I should have touched on earlier with the situation I had yesterday. I looked to see if the guy was there and if he was there, I was going to stop and, uh, talk to him and be like, Hey, you know, where you going? And then I could have potentially still went to the spot I wanted to go to, but he wasn't there. So if they are there, yeah. don't be scared to stop. No, you know, like uh-uh. you said, don't don't be scared to stop. Somebody like the guys a couple weekends ago that I ran into, I was already there. They stopped. They said, "Hey, where are you going?" I told them, and you know they went on around the bend and kept going. And you know, but if they would have just stopped, got out, went in there, then we would have had an issue. So don't yeah. be scared to talk to people. That's right. But yeah, man, we uh, we're in over an hour. I think we've uh, <laughs> touched on the high points here at this point. Just get out there and, and enjoy our public lands. Um, find you a hunt somewhere there, you know, within an hour drive or so, and uh, check it out. And with that, guys, I guess we'll wrap up that part of it. Um, hopefully, well, I felt like there was I did a whole lot of rambling in there. <laughs> so, but hopefully, <laughs> you guys, you know, found some useful nuggets out of all that um particularly you know if you're new to public land hunting uh you know the main thing is we just want folks to to get out there and give it a try i would never want anybody to to hang it up or not hunt this season just because you know maybe you lost your lease or or you just don't have a a place to hunt maybe you're new to the state or whatever the case may be Uh, we get a lot of messages and stuff from folks who are new to new to hunting or, or new to public land hunting and so we just kind of tried to answer some of that in this podcast episode. And like I said, hopefully that'll help some of you out, at least shorten the learning curve a little bit because, uh, man, everything I've learned on public land, I had to learn the hard way. Um, that was long before all the uh, blogs, podcasts, YouTube videos, and all that good stuff that's available now. So uh, hopefully, you know, just try to pass a little bit of that along and, and hopefully some of you will be able to find success a lot quicker than I did. But, yeah, with that, um, well, Robert, we'll talk a little bit, I guess, about our recent hunts and uh, then wrap this thing up, which that'll be fairly short and sweet on my end <laughs> as, as far as the, the hunts. I'm, yeah, not a whole lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Um, let's see, a hunted last thursday morning um back in the uh where i got my mock scrape you know got a lot of pictures of decent bucks in there basically going back to the summer but just uh man just can't can't get connected with them but i did use the opportunity after i got down out of the tree the other the other day to do some scouting in there found some some spots that look a little better a little better potential maybe than than where i was at and uh so i'm you know i'm just gonna move around obviously the good thing is with with the camera on the mock scrape is i know the bucks are in there and you know i know there's several good ones in there using that area and so it's just a matter of you know moving around and and seeing if i can catch up with them and found a really kind of interesting spot in there that i wasn't aware of it was just an odd it was so thick I I wasn't even able to get in there with all my my gear and stuff but I don't know it was just void of of big trees I know a tornado has came through that particular WMA you know I don't know a few years ago or whatever it's been a little while back 
but I don't know if this was from that, but it's just an area where, where there's no trees. So it's just grown up in a thick, nasty mess in this, this small spot on that same ridge that I've been hunting. And uh, definitely think that there's deer probably bedding in that thicket, using that thicket. Um, found some some trails kind of coming out of it. I want I probably won't do it in season this year, but man, as soon as season's over, I'm gonna dive into that thing. Uh, I had my my back my stand and everything on my back the other day, and I couldn't even begin to try to weave into that thing. But uh, I might hunt the outskirts of it here. You know, try some different spots around it and uh, see what I can come up with. And then so Friday evening is, yeah, Friday evening is when I went in and hunted the spot that you had put me on and uh, got in there and found a, a great big white oak in there that was just absolutely raining. I mean, every time one <laughs> would fall, it would be, you know, it'd be a half a dozen just hitting the ground and uh, had a spike come in early and fed around there. Um after the spike had fed in just something made me i couldn't remember i I suddenly got this nagging thing in the back of my mind of whether or not i packed my headlamp so i opened my pack up and sure enough my headlamp was in there i was like good well i just happened to click it to turn it on it was dead as a hammer and so (laughs) i I thought maybe it just gotten turned on in the pack because it'd be easy for that to happen and that it just went dead turned out it was actually shorted out or i got a short in the wire on it but uh, anyway, my, my headlamp's dead, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, this is going to be fun. You know, it's a pretty good little ways back in there. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, I, I hate to leave. I'll just go out with my, my cell phone light if I have to. And so a little while, a little while later, after the spike had gone through, man, I just hear a deer running straight up from behind me. And I, I mean, it was obvious it was a deer. I grabbed my bow go ahead and get ready. And this deer runs right up underneath my stand, kind of back into my left. And I ease, just peek around the side of the tree. And it's a, I probably a two and a half year old, but it was a three pointer. It had a, a big, just a big forked antler on its right side and a big spike on the other side. And so, uh, obviously, well, it's not even legal on this WMA and I wasn't going to shoot it anyway, but, uh, he caught my caught my scent there. I don't know if he caught my ground scent at first, because at first he just kind of acted uneasy, kind of walked down the ridge a little, and then hooked left, kind of back went back the way he came. But then once he got back there behind me, boy, he went to blowing and blowing and blowing. <laughs> and so that was enough. By that time, it was about sunset, and I thought, well, my headlamp's dead. This deer just blew and blew and blew. <laughs> this is a good time as any to climb down and. uh call it a night and i did so that was my excitement for that night i, I do want to get back in there and, and hunt that again though like you said you i know you got a lot of different bucks on camera in there last year and it did look like a good spot it just uh didn't work out for me that night and uh yeah that just left sunday morning hunted a, a different spot I actually hunted close to where i killed my buck on opening day and uh didn't see anything in there, but it again, I took the opportunity to, to get some scouting in once I got down that morning and uh, found a, a jam up spot in there. And that same, like I said, that whole ridge is kind of bedding cover, great bedding cover. But I found one particular spot where it was uh, the, the creek kind of created a pinch point against this ridge. Um, there was kind of a, a steep little 
steep little bluff along the creek where they really couldn't get between the creek and the bluff. So they kind of had to come up the, the bluff and, and work the edge back down. Um, and there was also a great big white oak in there. And I sent you a picture of a, a really nice rub in there as well. Fresh nice rub. rub. Um, so yeah, it looked really good. And uh, I'll definitely be trying to get back in there some point here in the, the very near future. But again, I know there's some good deer in there. There was a lot of beds, found a lot of beds in that area. I found what I think could potentially be the bed of where the buck I shot was, was bedding, which if it was, it, it's pretty comical because it was within sight, very close to the WMA road where you walk in, not, not driving in, but where you walk in and, he would have also been able to see a little opening, a little food plot there as well. Um, if, if that's where they were bedding, which I know he's bedding in that general area, just based on the, the timing and, and the direction he came from. But um, yeah, it was, it was a good, like I said, it's, it's good to finally get some time to get out there and do a little in season scouting and try to try to catch back up to these deer. And, you know, it yielded, who knows if I'll kill a deer in those spots, but it, it definitely yielded me two other spots, or well, more than two, but several other spots to try that look a lot better than the spots I've been hunting. So, uh, again, it goes back to always be scouting, you know, always be looking for that most recent sign. Then I guess I'll tell, I, I won't tell his name. I don't want to embarrass him, <laughs> but uh, uh, took a guy out Saturday evening to help him try to put some meat in the freezer, took him to the spot where I killed my doe with the recurve and uh, got set up and ended up having a doe come in uh, right well, right around sunset, maybe a little before sunset, but doe was, was feeding into the, uh, the oak tree, same oak tree that I killed my doe under. Um, again, like we were talking about earlier, there's probably at least a half dozen white oaks within a hundred yard radius, but, this one white oak, man, that what for whatever reason, the deer feeding like crazy under this this one oak. And she was coming right to it. And I kind of whispered to him, I'm like, man, it's like, don't rush it. She's going to come right into that oak. Well, he rushed it. <laughs> he didn't let her get to the oak and uh, he let it fly. And evidently, he either grazed the, the chest of this deer or grazed the 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 back of the front leg, but, uh, we got over there and found the bolt and they, uh, had a bunch of hair caught up in the expandable broadhead, but there wasn't, you know, any meat on the broadhead or the arrow, no blood, no fluid. No, I mean, nothing. just, just a patch of hair was the only thing there. And I watched the deer through the binoculars walk off pretty much unscathed. So, uh, just just gave her a little armpit shave there, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man, I was I was hoping uh, I was hoping he'd kill one. I know he's wanting to put some meat in the freezer, but uh, I think uh, he'll he'll get some other opportunities. But but that was, uh, oh, yeah. that was pretty much the extent of my excitement. What uh, what you got going on on your end? Well, to start off, I guess I'm glad to hear you know as we talked a little bit about and the interview me and you talking you know i'm glad i was able to put you in a spot and you were able to see some deer you know yeah. it wasn't the deer you were hoping for but you were able to see some deer so i'm happy that that panned out just based off past experience and uh for me it was slow man um i went 
like I mentioned in the interview as well, I had a spot picked out. There was a guy there went somewhere else that I had seen a lot of those because Saturday morning I was specifically <laughs> the first <laughs> decent doe that came in was going to get it. Um, uh, I'm getting trigger itchy and now that's actually about to burn back off as the rut is kicking up. I'm headed home to our farm the next couple weekends to hunt the rut there and then i'll be back hunting the rut down here so the does are off limits for a while um but i really had an urge to shoot a doe this weekend didn't see anything saturday morning but as you mentioned i took that opportunity i got down i scouted checked cameras found some really good sign and ended up hunting that sign on sunday uh, was gonna hunt saturday afternoon but it ended up raining from about one o'clock till well after dark yeah, and uh yeah. when i say it when i say it rained it rained <laughs> yeah so um i didn't hunt saturday afternoon didn't hunt sunday morning took that time out to spend with the wife go to church and uh then ended up hunting sunday afternoon because i know with the rut coming up i'll be gone pretty much every chance i get to hunt so took that time to spend with her and uh so hunted sun sunday afternoon in the spot i found the sign didn't end up seeing anything but something i haven't told you yet that uh it's interesting i got pictures of a really really nice book on a mock scrape and i was hunting a couple hundred yards down from that mock scrape where i had an encounter before not the exact spot but but kind of between those two areas and i had to go back by that mock scrape on the way out and when I was going out through my headlamp, I could see in the mock scrape there was a big old wet spot right in the middle <laughs> of that joker. Nice. And uh, uh, so obviously a deer had come in there sometime between that day, pretty recently to still be really wet because it was hot. It was 85 degrees. So if a deer had come in real early that morning, it most likely would have been dried up. But there was a big wet spot in the middle of it. I didn't see anything. Uh Took Sunday morning after church, went out, scouted, uh, kind of marked a few areas off that I didn't want to hunt. And But overall, it was slow. Didn't see anything. It's been real hot, man. It's been yeah. 85, 86. You know, like I said, it was like 85 degrees Sunday. Saturday morning, it was almost 70 degrees. But really looking forward to the rut. Headed out here, uh, like I mentioned, to the house. Going to hunt with my dad. Haven't hunted with him that, yet this year. He's been seeing some deer. Um, not the bucks we've been after, but you know, that's all subject to change here over the next couple of weeks. There is the rut, especially kicking off now and yeah. uh, going to get some cooler weather this weekend, which I'm really looking forward Man. to. Yeah, Maybe no mosquitoes. Good. It's looking good. Starting about Friday. Yeah. So unfortunately I got to work Friday, but I'll be headed home after work and you know, I try to check a camera. Friday afternoon that I've had set up before bow season in a certain area. And uh, dad hasn't been in there to check it, and I'm going to check it. And last year, um, we're about a week early. Uh, last year, I had a camera in here. And between November 7th and November 9th, I had every buck on the farm in the spot uh, <laughs> in daylight. So we're about a week early, but nobody's been in there at all. And the camera's just been soaking, so I'm going to check it. Friday afternoon, if bucks have been showing up in the afternoon, I'm going to hunt it. If not, if they've been showing up in the morning, I'm going to advise a plan with dad, probably take him out, probably do a hanging hunt 
hang my setup, probably take my lock on that I'm not using anymore, hang it for him and try to let him shoot one of them and I'll try to film it. There you go. Um, so really hoping he's able to tag one this year. It's been two years since he's been able to shoot a really nice buck. So if they've been showing up, going to try to film for him and hopefully he can get one of them, but we'll see. That's a couple of days away. We'll see what end up panning out, but that's my plans over the next coming weeks before the rut kicks off down here. And my past weekend was a uh, pretty poor but <laughs> every chance out is better than every chance sitting on the couch. No, I guarantee it. That's right. Every hunt's a learning experience. That's right. So with that, Brian, uh, we got a new listener review. You want me to go ahead and read that off? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got one from Rec one two two eight and he said he heard us say on the last episode on the 21st that we didn't have any new listener reviews which we did mention i was really upset about it because we really <laughs> like those when they come in so thank you for going out leaving this review but he said he's not a new listener he's been listening since last year but figured he'd drop us one he appreciates having one from where he hunts and hearing other guys opinions on the same areas that he hunts and he also mentioned that the end we should all do like some of the other guys pick us out a big wma in the state meet up and do a challenge and uh keep up the good work gentlemen so i think he's referring to kind of like the hunt public's doing with dan and yeah. joe and oh, I w- uh, those guys on the public land challenge yeah i would love to do a georgia public land challenge that would be pretty cool i had to yeah. i had to try to plan that for 2021 there we go and also brian there's one more i'm gonna read and we may have read it already i i can't remember though whether we did or not. So if we did, hey, you're getting a double shout out. <laughs> there you go. And if we didn't, I'm sorry we missed it. <laughs> but it comes from Tim SR and he says, Really enjoy the podcast, especially focus on George. You guys do a great job. So like I said, I can't remember if we read that one off. If we did, uh, you got a double shout the, out. It, yeah. You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> If we did, we saw we missed it. We try to catch some new ones every week. So I just wanted to read that one off because I don't remember us reading that one off. And that way we can go ahead and read that one off. And as always, if you haven't, please go out, leave us a listener rating a review on Apple iTunes. It it tremendously helps us out, especially in the ratings, helps new people find us that maybe are searching for a hunting podcast and they don't know of us. And then with the ratings or reviews, we'll pop up. They'll be able to listen to us, listen to our episodes and share with a family and friend. You know, if they don't listen to the podcast, but maybe they, you think they'd really enjoy it, please share with them. That way they can check us out and maybe they'll enjoy our content as well and they'll be able to share with a family or member or friend. So please go out and do that as well. Yep, absolutely. And hey, if you're getting tired of listening to me and Robert talk, don't worry. We do have <laughs> some, we got some guests coming up, I promise. Uh, every episode is not going to be just me and Robert talking. Um, but yeah, so we're uh, pretty boring because we don't kill <laughs> yeah, any deer. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be some boring episodes. We're gonna start shooting some some more deer here soon. But uh, no, we get we got a, a couple guests, couple good guests lined up, and we're gonna keep trying to to get more. Again, we always are open to uh, your suggestions. So jump, you know, you can jump on our social media pages and uh, send us a message. Let us know if you know somebody. Don't have to be a big name. In fact. 
heck, I'd just soon not be a big name. You know, if there's if you've got a, a relative or a friend or a coworker that that consistently, you know, kills good deer on public land or kills good deer, period, um, you know, let let's know. Well, we'll we'll get them on here and and pick their brain a little bit and let uh, let others learn from from their success. That's what it's all about. So don't be don't hesitate to to shoot us your ideas uh, for guests. And I think with that we'll wrap this thing up. And uh, yeah, so as always, hunt safe, shoot straight, but most importantly, just enjoy your time out there in God's great outdoors. We'll see you next week. <laughs>